This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You're listening to This Day in History, a podcast dedicated to examining history from a standpoint of determining which event on any given day had the greatest impact on our lives. Now your host, Tony Hubert and Armand Kachigian. Welcome in to the June 6th edition of This Day in History here on lineupmedia.fm. Today on the program, well, if you know anything about history, June 6th means one thing in the annals of American history. D-Day, the invasion of Normandy, the invasion of Europe by Allied forces. And... We'll bring you a lot of that today as we kind of Too go through much. a timeline of events that happened on this date, June 6th, um, plus anything else Armand might have, but we'll yeah. also discuss a few other things such as... Right. You can storm the beach in Omaha. I'll, I'll do the You'll, you'll just stroll up Juneau or Utah. But That'll be yeah, you. I'll sit around in my and, bathing uh, suit. But, but the, the greatest books dedicated to this uh, subject, the greatest movies, which there are many, uh, and, uh, you know... That kind of all thing. All right. Well, you can. Uh, all right. First of all, we have to tidy up from yesterday. Yes, we do. Before we start the landing at Normandy and sort of clear up some of the misconceptions about yeah, we it, made a lot of mistakes yesterday. We clear up the misconceptions and mistakes from the June fifth show. Yes. D Day minus one. Right. Uh, anyway, one point four million in the armed forces. You were way I mean. off. I'm surprised. I don't know how many of those are combat. Well, troops. what about, does that count National Guardsmen and women? I don't know. 1.4 million. That's counts 2015, national, by the way. I if it know. counts National Guardsmen and women, I, I can see that. If yeah, that's, you know, it's like 10 to 1 support troops or whatever. You know, right, right. Logis- well, logistics is, yeah. the, is the name of the game now. Uh, it was a dark and stormy night. Yes. It was written by Edward Bulwer-Lytton. And not, you thought it was... Lytton-Stratchy. Lytton... Understandable mistake. Yeah, I get it. Lytton-Stratchy. I give was, you a pass on that one. Yeah, he was. He wrote great Victorians and you know, when he wasn't buggering. Uh, the Teton Dam wasn't built by WPA. Oh, it wasn't. It was built in 75 and collapsed in 76, so that's... <laughs> well, some contractor had a lot to answer for. Yeah, so shoddily put together apparently My goodness uh hiv was from eating chimpanzees apparently. eating chimpanzees well, yeah i didn't say anything about bug well the the, uh, what the unfortunately the urban rumor or no, no legend from eating is, monkey meat which still i mean look in the african bush that goes on well, not when there's and was it definitely a, a pretty sheep around was it definitely chimp or was no, it a different still not, form of they're still not sure about that but Anyway, that's what uh, that's what my source said. Uh, Stephen Crane died of TB. He did not kill himself. I think I was thinking of Hart Crane. Now, I know he killed himself. Okay. Stephen Crane died of tuberculosis. Uh, Robert Persig wrote Zen and the Art of the Motorcycle, Motorcycle Maintenance. Maintenance. Not Bradbury, of course. We knew he wasn't. but And you were wrong. Conway Twitty was never married to Dolly Parton. They lived together. Well... You should have said cohabitated. Common they law. Not, they did not get married. Yes, Conway he died would. of an aortic aneurysm. Oh, Conway. Yeah. Human Action, I should have known this, was written by uh, Ludwig von Mises, not Henry Hazlitt. Henry Hazlitt wrote Economics in One Lesson. Read both of them. Um, oh, that's right, Conway Twitty, not married to Dolly Parton. Um, 
What have I got here? I love it when you can't read yeah, your own writing. I don't know. I, I don't you know truly what, I don't are. Says. You truly are a doctor. Do you just hand out prescriptions and oh, scribble? Uh, oh, only only special elements can become Bose Einstein. Oh, condensates. okay. Okay. Not all. You Not all. So all I was asking if uh, right. So only and special. only special ones. Okay. okay. All right. Rubidium apparently is the best. So here we go, D-Day. Right. Uh, this show brought to you by Amazon and by Audible.com. Whenever we have a recommendation, we'll show you, uh, tell you how to get it. Armand will tell you, and you better listen, because he's a well-read man. I try to be a well-read man, but I don't have the time that Armand You're does. Middling. No, I try. I try. Also, uh, don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, any major podcast outlet to the show, thisdayinhistorypodcast.com. Part of the Lineup Media Group, lineupmediagroup.fm. Check out that website for a host of over 40 podcasts on this network. One of the largest. was 60. Yeah, it's getting up there. There's more to come. There is more to come. Um, There's sports. There's entertainment. There's uh, conspiracy and surreal talk, which uh, kind of is the flagship gonna, show of the network. When are we going to cancel Ocho Man? I don't know. Well, he fired you from it, and That's since right. since he fired you, uh, the show off the line behind the eight ball with the Ocho Man has been doing very well. Really? Yeah, yeah. It, it's up about three hundred percent. Get out of here! I'm not kidding. With those clowns he's got on there, uh, he's got good clowns. That's the thing. He's got good clowns. Witless. All right. What does D Day mean to you? Sort of in the annals of, you know, I because I, you're an anti-war guy, I, no, but I you're also I, a practicable guy. I don't think the significance guy. of it was that it was just catering to Stalin, basically. We, I don't even think we had to open the Second Front, much less Italy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the Russians were chewing Hitler apart; he would have lost anyway. No, they're going to grind him down. Yeah, they're going to grind him down. Well, you know me; I say stay the hell out of that war. I mean, what, uh, you never wanted to be in it. Hitler declared war but on it, us. But here's the thing: just. That's the world as you would like it, but the world as it was on June 6th, 1944. I don't think it was that significant, really. I really don't. Wow. I mean, I'm you know, it was to the you. people that were there, but it wasn't a cataclysmic battle of the war. I mean, no, those would be though, Eastern Front battles. I guess the morale effect on the, you know, Rommel and those guys, the war's lost, even though they, they probably should have, you know. Well, right. keep well, this we'll in mind. We'll get to it. Keep this in mind. The Germans, they spend a lot of time. Building an Atlantic wall. Yeah, not that much. Not that, Like I said, comparatively, it's like only 10% of their yeah. forces fought against us. That ultimately didn't that. work. It yeah, never they, was going to work. Yeah, because, they, well, they had they had two different strategies. Von Rundstedt, mm-hmm. now nah, I, I got to get this right. I think Von Rundstedt wanted this, like, uh, uh, he wanted a strategy of, of kind of a mobile response. Okay. So you keep your everything kind of in the interior and, uh, you know, move it to where it once, yeah, you know, yeah. move it to the beaches. Rommel wanted to attack at the beaches with everything. He wanted a Dunkirk Part Two. I, I, well, I take it or Dieppe, whatever yeah, you want to call yeah. it. Anyway, so but uh, what it turned out was they had kind of half of both. So they had all the uh, the worst see, elements. Compromise, of both. yeah, they compromise, and right. it gets you nowhere. That's why I don't. That's why I don't compromise. Yeah, well, that's a good rule. Uh, but anyway, here again, why are we starting with this? We got other things. Why? Yeah, we go by day. We go chronologically. It's the biggest thing in history. Well, then, all right. What is this? Saving Private Ryan? Could be. I love that movie. That's a mistake. Well, yeah, the best part. It was the first 20 minutes. Then it wasn't that great. No, it was fine after that. Yeah, but the best part was the landing. Oh, you can't can't get past how incredible that sequence is. It's a little deflate over there, but it's the perfect fire position. 
goddamn armor on the beach. Gotta open up. Whoa, we gotta get this draw open. Ryben, Malik, let's get into the war. Grab some cover and put some fire on that crew. Oh, the story behind it still gives you a good idea of what D-Day minus one, minus two, plus, plus, plus one, plus two was like. And they told it through. And it wasn't an interesting you narrative. Don't, begin your movie with the climax. Well, that, Actually, I guess that's, why don't you do. call Spielberg and have him reshoot it? It wasn't his fault. Or re-edit it. Was the screenwriter's it. fault. Uh, when did you... I always like thought... Like Pearl Harbor, remember? Although the oh, problem with that God. was I don't left even before, get, don't I even left before the attack. Don't even get me started. Yeah, did you stick around for the attack? I barely I I, No, no, no. Okay. I barely could make it. I was so pissed off by that point. I digress, Who's that actor in that That, that kid? I uh, don't know. from Minnesota. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. It was. It was. Okay. It, anyway, it was, what a he flamed out like a zero. So, I always had the conception D Day literally starts with the landings at Omaha Beach. Well, but there was a lot before. That's that. a, Don't you watch the longest day? Yeah, I have. But that is so. The landings at Omaha Beach Those are relatively late. Come, yeah, they really come six hours after everything has oh, started. Yeah. I mean, D-Day literally starts at midnight GMT time, June sixth. I don't know about that. Even you could even June say 5th, it, you could that even bombardment, right? We because were talking about the bombing and everything. Planes are in the air. Yeah, gliders are in the air. Yeah, these guys are all. And at zero, people are way off where they should oh, have been. Yeah, nothing works. Well, Again, as all plans are great until you get punched in the face. Well, they didn't here. necessarily get punched in the face, but uh, as is well noted, the hundred first airborne gets scattered. All over creation. Yeah, on nobody the, was even close to where they were supposed right. to be. So at midnight, the first airborne troops actually begin to land in France. And at 15 after midnight, the, the 101st Pathfinders jump into Normandy. Uh, you know, they parachute in. And they're there to establish a drop zone for the rest of the 101st Airborne paratroopers to come in and follow. And their objective is very simple. They're going to capture a town. They're going to seize the major exits to Utah Beach. They're, they're going to get control of the western flank of Normandy. 1 a.m., the Navy uh, uh, orders, uh, orders all the men to the battle stations. The landing craft begin to be lowered into the water, and now the paratroopers that are on the ground in France, they're cutting the lines. They're knocking down telephone poles, trying to disrupt German communication. Can I go check my stocks while you uh, recite this, oh, this, is, this tome you brought in here? This is Hey, I'll get through it. Don't worry. 82nd Airborne at 1.21 a.m. They begin their drop in the three main landing zones near uh, Saint-Marie-Iglise uh, in two zones that are west of the Merdere River in advance of the main force of the parachuters, the infantry that's going to be coming in. The 82nd Airborne's objective, secure the town, get control of the causeway, and seize those exits leading to Utah Beach. 0.51 a.m., 82nd Airborne arrive over their drop zones in uh, the C-47 transports and uh, as they're getting out. But uh, while the 505th Parachute Infantry successfully lands at St. Marie Iglesias, the 507th and the 508th regiments, they're scattered all along the Merdere River, which the Germans have already intentionally flooded Armand in some sort of anticipation. And many of the paratroopers land in the fields, some of which drown right on the spot, not even having a chance to fight. Yep. I mean, I, the, the, here's the, one of the things about D-Day that gets me is so many guys never even had a chance, whether it was from air or by sea. They just never had a chance. 2 a.m., first bombers take off. 3, 3 a.m., the gliders uh, begin to reinforce the paratroopers. 
At 3.09, the Germans finally uh, wake up that there's an invasion fleet, and their admiral orders shore batteries to prepare for an invasion. Nice of him. 3.48, they yeah, send out... Don't wake up the Fuhrer. Yeah, yeah they, no, don't. Don't bother wait. him. Don't bother yeah, him at all. Can't bother Yeah, can't we? I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be the guy waking up the Fuhrer. 3.48 a.m., a German e-boat flotilla and two armed trawlers get underway. That'll repel this. 3.54, the uh, Allied paratroopers... Yeah, I don't think the Luftwaffe shot down one plane. I don't think so either. The Allied paratroopers, now they're attempting to regroup on the ground. And now, at 3.54 a.m., this is before sunrise even, even in June in northern France where sunrise is early, the fighting is already underway. Without daylight saving time. Without daylight savings time, that's right. Uh, so the confused German forces, uh, the, the, the groups that are reassembling, just trying to assemble, they're already fighting throughout the countryside. Gliders are coming in with more and more troops. 4.15 the uh, off the coastline of Normandy, the ships drop anchor, the landing craft prepare for launch, and now the troops are getting into the LCVPs and the LCAs in anticipation of H hour. And they said just getting in those boats was horrific because a lot of, of puking. A lot of puking. You're standing in absolute bile in the bottom of these craft. I don't know if it's bile. Well, come on. Time. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, how utterly nervous did these guys? I don't think anybody's worried about the yeah the dung or whatever they're they're standing in. Well, there's it's got to be everything. Yeah. Well, puke, human yeah. excrement. I mean, did, because yeah. a even if, even if you're the most courageous guy in the world, you're out there in this flat bottom boat rocking yeah, in but, the English Channel. Yeah, but you're, you're going to get about sick. That. You're worried about surviving. Yeah. At uh, at 0430, uh, are we still on the first page? Uh, the P-47s take off. Uh, 520, sunrise. Thank God. Finally, the sun's up, and the, the bombers are now dropping right, bombs on the Atlantic set the sun wall. on this. By 535, the German shore batteries are now opening uh, fire. At 537, the German admiral uh, orders uh, torpedoes to be fired. 550, the warships idea. are now engaging German batteries at Utah Beach. Uh, the B-26 Marauders from the 9th Air Force uh, are dropping more than 4,000 bombs on targets from uh, Les Dunes de Verreux, Verville. Is that Verville? Yeah. Verville. To Beaujolais? Beaujolais. 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 I don't know. At Six hundred. The LCT launched their uh, DD tanks. These are the tanks that are supposed to float. However, the seas, the rough seas that day, sink 27 tanks after launch from the LCTs. Boom. Gone. Bottom of the channel. Three are unable to launch at all. Uh, and these are the uh, first weather-related weather casualties. And as a result, the two tank battalions, 743rd, 745th, decide that they're going to land their tanks directly on the beach. At 6.20 a.m., the Allied landing craft are finally approaching the beach. 6.30, it's H hour at Utah and Omaha as LCTs land the first tanks on Omaha. The 116th and the 16th Infantry get off at Omaha. The Higgins boats near the beach. The 8th Infantry gets off at Utah Beach. The 1st and the 29th Infantry Divisions uh, land under waves of such heavy fire and that massive casualties are taken. The first waves are cut down by the uh, German machine guns up in the pillboxes and by mortar fire. Company A of the 116th Regiment Armand, uh, 29th Division, 
a National Guard unit from Bedford, Virginia, would see 19 men killed. 19 men from one town gone within a matter of minutes. While at Utah Beach, the uh, strong currents are pushing the 4th Division over a mile off target. And amidst the confusion, Brigadier General Theodore Roosevelt, I think he was the only general there, too. That's right. Decides to carry on the invasion from his position rather than make an adjustment. So the Americans move quickly. They get control of the exits, and they advance towards San Marie Iglesias. Saint Mère Iglesias. So there, Mother I mean, Mother Iglesias, I guess. Saint, now, now, folks, some saint. You're up to the portion where you're at saving Private Ryan. Okay. Men heading towards the beach. Okay. And uh, Tom the Hanks war can't is, even open his I mean, canteen. The war is on. Here's 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 what gets me. As you said. Uh, Hitler's not informed at all at this point. I don't even know if Rommel is aware yet at this yeah, point I don't think he was around. of what's going on. Berlin, I don't know where he was. Landings throughout the rest of the day, uh, all the way through noon and just beyond noon, as more and more infantry divisions, the 18th Infantry, for instance, comes in Omaha at 11 o'clock. The second wave that comes in has to fight through the dead first wave, which had to be one of the most horrific scenes that men have ever witnessed. The water is blood red at this point. Germans are still there, but they're starting to get picked off from their pillboxes. The Atlantic Wall starting to be broken. Well, this sort of thing was seen in the Pacific pretty often. Not, pretty often. Not on this scale, right. but, you know, I mean, the Marines knew all about this stuff. So there you have it. There, there is your timeline just to get you climbing up the cliffs at Omaha. While some of the other beaches had it, Obviously, a lot yeah. better. Utah, gold, Juno, Gold, Sword, sword uh, the five major points. Yeah, the Canadians and the British. Yeah, they, they reasonably they did okay. Easy time. But anyway, let's start with 1918. If we want to talk about war, we go to Bellow Wood, where the Marines have just landed. Yeah, they make a landing on yeah. June 6th. Well, Famous it's not one. A landing. They're fighting in the woods. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Under the hey, French. The Marines land. That's what they do. They, they're amphibious. Well, they already landed. They weren't in, you know, the beach. They may have to jump off something, but they land. And then the French tell them to pull back. Yeah, like, Bella Wood was so retreat. famous. Hell, we just got here. You know how many uh, naval ships were named after Bella yeah, Wood? It was a big battle. I think it was the Marines' Huge. biggest battle, apparently, or the most casualties they ever suffered. Of course, this one always gets overlooked because of D Day. Come on, you sons of bitches. You want to live forever? Oh, man. Great, uh, great. Great line. Yeah. Uh, they attacked six times, and uh, what's the deadliest weapon in the world, according to John Pershing? A Marine and his rifle. Yep. So anyway, this is Bellow Wood, 1918. That's when the Germans were still, you know, weren't just a shell of themselves. They were, they were pretty powerful because the Russians had just uh, surrendered, and they're launching their big push on the Western Front. Uh do you have any other things? Back in 1933, and this is almost as important as D-Day, the opening of the first drive-in in Camden. New Camden Jersey. where? New Jersey? Camden, New Jersey. The first drive-in. And what's the first movie shown? 1930. Tarzan. King Wife, Kong. Wife Beware. Oh, Adolf boring. Manjou. Boring. Yeah. So then now, here, now we have if a I'm tragedy. going to a drive-in in 1933, I want to see King Kong. Well, 1934, you'll see King Kong because they created the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, which is the government. Uh, this quote, all happened on June 6th? 1934, yeah, quote, regulating. Yeah, the, yeah, guess who they put in charge? We've talked about this. Who was the first chairman of the SEC? Oh, gosh, I forget. Well, to I catch a thief, 
I know you don't like appoint him. a thief. That's what FDR did. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, he appointed one, Joe Kennedy. Joe Kennedy. Yeah, who knew everything about Son insider trading and bitch, screwing people out of money. That. So anyway, yeah, the SEC has done such a great job. Bernie Madoff, for instance, another triumph. Have you watched Wizard of Lies yet on HBO? No. De Niro plays Madoff. Oh, really? It's really. Well, I thought it was Dreyfus. Uh, that's a different one. How many guys play this? Game? Yeah, it's quite a few now, but right. uh, this is just the HBO. They, they were movie. warning the SEC about this guy seventeen years earlier. They just ignored it. The whole thing. He yeah. had a, he had a separate floor of of the building, Armand, where people from the other floor never went to. They never did catch him. His, 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 son, his own sons. Him in. Yeah. His own sons didn't know what the hell was going on. Yep, they've destroyed documents, Lehman Brothers, and. Uh, Goldman Sachs. Well, they That's took down the owners of the New York Mets, practically. I think it was, it was the Wilpon family. And there were people who lost practically everything. Anyway, you trust the SEC. Good luck. Don't, don't invest. In fact, you know, they say that the SEC costs people money because they're so, you know, they think that people are so certain that this is all honest and everything because you got the SEC watchdogs. Mm-hmm. That's, a lot. That's a load of crap. Anyway. So that was the day that FDR and all his wisdom initiated the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission. Uh, June 6, 1939, uh, Judge Crater, who's been missing for 14 years, is finally declared dead. You know, I think they finally, they think they know where he is under, under the New York uh, Aquarium. Sleeping, mm. literally sleeping with the fishes, you know. Yeah, that's a hard-to-get-to spot. Uh, yeah. So uh, for a while in the 20s, you, when you pull a crater. Oh, that's what that means? Yeah, you just, oh, you've heard that? Pull a crater? Yeah. You disappeared. I had no clue. You know what happened to this guy? This guy was, he was a judge. I had no clue that's yeah. what that meant. Yeah, like the showgirls. Huh. Uh, anyway, uh, apparently he ran afoul of Tammany Hall, apparently. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, see, yeah. you can't run afoul of Tammany Hall. They snatched him and so long, Judge Crater. So that's what I got. There you have it. Uh, since, uh, you know, we spent 20 minutes on D-Day. Hell yeah. All right. You want to go to the birthdays then? Uh, I want to do some birthdays after I do some book recommendations because oh. I want to see what you have read from uh, Not this. Not many. Um, books that you can find on D-Day. And there are... This is the one I, did Ambrose write one? Or? Ambrose That's is one my favorite, and I'll tell you yeah, why. I and read that, that one. That is D-Day, June 6th, 1944. Yeah, the, the Battle for the Normandy Beaches. The reason I like it, and Ambrose is kind of, you know... Um, Posthumously, here, here he's he's fallen afoul. He's been accused of plagiarism. However, however, How let me preface this: events that happen. I don't right. Know, let me prefer, preference this by saying: no, pref- his, preface. Let preface. me preface this by saying: the books claim to be narratives. You know, at the World War II Museum in New Orleans, yeah. uh, servicemen could come in and they could give their testimonials. Where's the World War One Museum? Oh, jeez, Kansas City. Very good. Uh, they got uh, they have a obelisk there, don't they? I don't know. I've never been there. No, yeah, but it's in KC. That's where it is. Yeah, uh, you could give you know you could come in and you give your your account of your service in the war, and it creates a huge narrative file. So Ambrose interviewed a lot of people, and the book reads not like a book. It reads like a narrative, which is great. It's very easy to read, and that's why I enjoyed the hell out of it, and I learned a lot of it because you were. You weren't just going through these, and then the 506th moved here. You aren't like some of those yeah. Civil War books, which get really dry. It was more of a narrative. This this narrative allows you to really get into the 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 psyche of the soldiers, and it's really great. And, and you get some interesting perspective because they narrow the, the See, they narrow I, I, yeah, the event I, down for you. Well, that's what I don't like about books like that. Unfo- you know, 
I like it uh, more. The tactics and the strategy more. They, but I thought they still I, did a good job balancing. Yeah, it. I don't want it humanized. Yeah, I mean, I these you. are just statistics. These aren't people. So highly recommend D-Day uh, by Stephen Ambrose. Uh, also that's, highly that recommend uh, Band of Brothers, also by Ambrose, also the HBO miniseries. That was about D-Day? Uh, it starts with D-Day and it goes all the way through. Oh, okay. It's about Easy Company from D-Day oh. all the way to Hitler's nest, uh, Eagle's Nest. And that's the subtitle of the book, actually. The Easy uh, E Company, Easy Company, 506th Regiment, 101st Airborne, from Normandy to Hitler's Eagle's Nest. That's and that is a incredible tell, uh, just fantastic. The other one I would recommend, Anthony Beaver, English Perspective, D-Day, The Battle for Normandy. And if you want a real tactical one, Armand, this one would be for you, The Guns at Last Light, which is the third in the trilogy by Rick Atkinson of uh, what's called the Liberation Trilogy. Um, th- this is recent too. All three I've of these came of out one. in the last ten years. He got a Pulitzer Prize for the for for one of these. Um, but the, it's uh, the guns at last light. The war in Western Europe. Check out Amazon.com simply by going to this day in history podcast.com. Yeah. Hit D Day in books, and you'll, you'll yeah. have plenty to keep you. Click on that Amazon banner for a while. Most of these are also available at uh, at uh, Audible.com. Um, if you want a little more narrative, The Steel Wave, which is uh, a historical fiction on D-Day, but it's by Jeff Shara, who uses correspondence from the people involved uh, as the actual dialogue in the narrative. So it's, while, while again, historical fiction, it's fiction with uh, yes, a, a, based good, on a good amount fact. of base. And uh, another one. And I've never read this one, but I've wanted to. The Fighting First, the untold story of the Big Red One at D-Day. Well, we've seen that movie. And there we have. Who which, Lee Marvin, who God, liked that movie. You know, Lee Marvin, see, he was in two, really, because, you know, uh, 30 Dozen was prior yeah. to, yeah. The, uh, yeah. you know, to the uh, landings. But he thought that was all bullshit. In fact, that's why he was <laughs> drunk all the time when he was making it. Yeah, a lot of people really couldn't stand him. I, I, think I thought he, it helped his character in the movie, to well, be honest. Hell, I don't know. I, I guess it did because a lot of the guys that were actually in the movie with him hated him, you know, because he was always drunk. And, so you're uh, saying Charles Bronson had an issue with him? It might, I don't know. Who did was James, it, did Jim Brown have an issue with him? Yeah, it might have been Jim Brown. One of them was. <laughs> yeah, they really couldn't stand the guy. Uh, yeah, and you know, that, that, that movie is why Jim Brown retired. Because they took so long to film, he yeah. missed uh, missed you know camp and everything, camp and, they, and they threatened to kick him off the team. Yeah, and screw you! Yeah, I'm, screw I'm a good you. actor, and that was the end of his career. And he was doing fine in the acting. I guess world. he still is. He made you know any given Sunday. Although my buddy uh, Bernarski said he's kind of a jerk. Jim, yeah, Jim Brown. He I've didn't, met he didn't him. like him. I've at met all. him twice. He's he's a guarded man. I don't know. Bernarski he's, said he's I'm a guarded take man. you out. Well, you know, Bernarski's like he was the guy that played Latimer in uh, the program. Oh, yeah, he's a okay. big boy. He, he, uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, he he, uh, he was he was uh, yeah. also in any given Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was also Leatherface in uh, oh the, the remake of the, the remake. Uh, yeah, the remake. Okay. So he and Jim didn't get along. Oh, uh, how about that? I think my money's on Bernarski. That boy, he's a big boy. So the so uh, the longest day. Saving Private Ryan, uh, Big Red One, Big Red. Oh, I like the Big Red One. Yeah, I know, I know. Landing. Uh, yeah, I knew it got. They were doing Mixed the remember the Bangalore tank trap. That's that, that, that is the, the most memorable scene to yeah, me in Bangalore. that. I'd like to find the guy who invented it. Can you imagine trying to put that thing together and push it through? Oh God! Uh, what else? No way! Uh, I'm trying to think of other ones that had a. 
Well, you know, the, that movie actually saved 20th Century Fox. The Longest, longest Day? day yeah, because yeah. they were just reeling from Cleopatra. Well, yeah, they had taken a bath on that. Yeah, well, they kicked Zanuck out, you know, and this other guy, Spiro Skoros, or whoever, maybe he's MGM, I don't know, but mm-hmm. whoever's the guy, the brilliant guy who decided to make Cleopatra, which was just Because that's what money. the American public wanted to see. Yeah, Liz Taylor. Liz as an Egyptian. Uh, yeah, well, $12 million. Gave her a million bucks to play Cleopatra. Good grief. Anyway, they're losing big time on that. And uh, Zanuck went off on his own, and they thought it was folly. But it, it made, the, uh, made the money back and saved the studio. Americans always love. Well, we got the Duke, man. Well, you, you love beach. a war. But... but a war movie has been part of American culture since. Yeah, but they thought it was so, you know, because they had the German point of view and the French. And it was mm-hmm. in so many multi. They, they thought it was going to be a big flop because it was so many different languages. Yeah. And was, you know, but it wasn't. Well, everybody was interested. Everybody, yeah. I remember it being long. Well, yeah, it's long. I mean, so was Cleopatra. Well, yeah, but I mean, like. Uh, so anyway, I'm trying to think. I don't know of any other ones that I've. I'm sure they've made a bunch of them. Well, anyway, those are the biggies. Longest Day, I guess, is the. Definitive. What would you have done in one of those landing boats? What do you even try to do? You're laden down with equipment. Coward. They open the doors and you got a pillbox in front of you. Try not to think about it. Oh, yeah, I mean, those guys. I think those some of those guys from uh, Saving Private Ryan were having flashbacks and they, stuff. You have to. So authentic. How is how you have to have post traumatic stress? There, there's no other way around it. Yeah, but this you act like okay. This is one bad day in four or five, six years of war. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. You know what was else interesting to me? Was, was, and I, I think I got this from the from the Ambrose book. Uh, you know, for the soldiers, that first wave of soldiers who did make it up the draws at the beaches, and you know, and started to clear out the pillboxes and yeah, and the encampments like that, they weren't necessarily always finding German soldiers. They were finding Polish soldiers, Bulgarian. They were finding, you know, Slavic nations that had been conscripted into service because they would say, uh, you know, a soldier would pop up. He'd be talking Polish and say, I'm not German. I'm not, you know, trying to trying mm-hmm. to get over well, that's to what the, the Germans did you, to the U.S. Better than going to a slave camp, a labor camp. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Here's a trivia question for you. What is the only battleship that was at Pearl Harbor and D-Day? Ooh. It's not the Arizona. The North Carolina. The Nevada. The Nevada. Damn it. Usually good at those. The Nevada. Okay. Yep. All right. So okay. Armand, who was born on this well fine day? 1799. Um, Patrick Henry. Hey! My, one of my favorite founding fathers. Staunch anti-federalist. Smelled a big rat in Philadelphia. You know what that was? The Constitutional Convention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, because mm-hmm. that's that's what he's thinking. You're back to George the Third again. States' rights, baby. And what year was he was born? Seventeen nine. Oh, he, uh, seventeen ninety nine. Uh, he was. Uh, I can't be right. No, it can't. Oh, be. he died. I, I'm on my death. Yeah, get on the births. Come on, come on. On my births. Seventeen. Here, I'll give you 1799, one. Seventeen ninety nine. Alexander Pushkin. Yeah, Pushkin, Russian right. author, poet. Seventeen ninety nine. But the, these guys noted for all the things that have been like Ruslan and Ludmila was a poem. It's a great uh, overture by Glinka, uh, Boris Gudunov, uh, Mazorsky did a famous movie, uh, I mean, uh, music about that play. Mozart and Salieri, I didn't know that, was based on Pushkin. Wow. Which is what Schaffer, you know, wrote Hamadeus based on. And uh, Rimsky-Korsakov did his opera, Mozart and Salieri. Yevgeny Onegin, 
which is one of my favorite operas by uh, Tchaikovsky. The Waltz, excellent. And the I, I got to tell you, I heard uh, two concertos by uh, Tchaikovsky in the last two weeks. Which we can, uh, only my, wrote. What are you talking about? The uh, violin and the piano. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that the only ones he wrote? Well, he wrote three. Well, he wrote two. The third piano concerto was unfinished. It was finished for him. Oh, so from his I'd sketches. have to look at the program to see which ones they were. But it was, this was uh, my, my neighbor. Uh, is a member of the St. Louis Symphony Youth Orchestra. She's the yeah. bassist. Uh, so they were playing at Powell Hall, where the where the uh, symphony plays, uh, their end-of-year concert. And uh, the first was a violin concerto. In V. Fe- he only wrote one. Featuring the, uh, their soloist, who did a marvelous job. She's 17 years old. She's mm-hmm. already a professional. That's a tough, that's and a she's tough go- one. And she's graduating from – she just graduated from high school and is off to Juilliard. And then uh, for the... I don't know why she needs to go to Juilliard. I, if you're well, playing the Tchaikovsky, you're, yeah, and you're I, already there. And I, I wish I had a, like, could run a recording of it past you to get... Because in my sort of novice ears on this type of thing... I can't tell the she was. I thought she was well. spectacular. And then a young... And I, I, I forget her name. Um, boy, I forget her name. The next... The gentleman, though, again, uh, I, I believe just 17 years old, who played... The piano concerto. His name was Michael Liu, and it's the big. Yeah, I mean it's the very aggressive concerto. Oh, uh, that's Van Cliburn. There played, you go. And, and won the uh, Tchaikovsky competition. Yeah, and and uh, it's a long, it's long oh, too. Yeah. It's a long piece, and he did that, and it was wonderful. And so they did four pieces and two Tchaikovskys. You know, the violin, the piano. He's outstanding. One of my favorite outstanding. Anyway, he, Evgeny Onegin was his opera. Plus, you know. That was based on Pushkin. This guy was quite an influence on all Russian romanticism. Uh, died in a duel. Again, got the shot duels, in the abdomen, man. And uh, got oh, peritonitis and dropped dead. Stop with the duels. Well, he's pissed off. The guy's messing around with his wife. Man of honor. If I messed around with your wife, would you shoot me? I'd shoot the wife and then you. No, you would. You, you'd give me money. No, it depends. Yeah. I give you money. Screw around my girlfriend, please. Take my wife, Take please. my wife, please. Yeah. Uh, I got one for you. 1755, a uh, famous soldier, spy, Nathan Hale is born. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Regret I only have one life to give for my country. There you go. Well, that's what they do to spies. They hang you. 1867, the founder of Abercrombie and Fitch, David T. Abercrombie. Can I just say something? I, when I was younger, I liked the store. I can't even get near the store in a mall now. It's still around. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, it's you, still there. N- no store needs to smell like that. What does it smell like? It just drenched with cologne. Mm. Oh my god! Canoe. Isn't that what Woody Allen drenched yes. himself? Remember that and played against <laughs> Sam. I'm gonna drench myself in canoe. In canoe. Remember he was showing the gal how to eat uh, eat rice with chopsticks, <laughs> chopsticks. scooping in his mouth. She, she she likes me. She she wants me to come on to her. I'm going to come on to her later. 1907, a great New York Yankee catcher and then manager, Bill, Bill Dick. Dickey. Yeah, that's from member of Pride of the Yankees. Yep. Knocked the guy out. Yep. Spoke out of turn. And that he is uh, one half of the two number eights Yogi retired yeah. by the New York Yankees. They have two up on the wall. I think there was, uh, I don't know if I got it written down, but I think Jimmy Pearsall, did you see? Well, I didn't write it down because it just happened a couple days ago. Jimmy Pearsall died. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, man. Remember him? Yes. Fear strikes out. Fear strikes out. He's climbing backstops and stuff. He's spanking other guys' kids, <laughs> the other players' kids. Great. Oh, he was a nutcase, man. Uh, 1917. Loony. Anthony Perkins played yeah. him, and that's fitting. Perfect. Yes. Uh, 
Do you think Perkins had any real baseball ability? No, I don't think Perkins had any acting yeah, ability. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, he might be right. Yeah, he was okay. <laughs> uh, Nineteen seventeen. He died of AIDS. Poor Kirk, guy. Yeah, he did. Kirk Kikorian, the yeah. American businessman, a founder of Tracinda. This is Armenian Day. You forgot another Armenian. Well, Adam Adam Kachaturian. Did I miss 19, Kachaturian? 1903. Yeah, I did yeah. miss Kachaturian. Uh, Check the out composer, the conductor, Saber Dance. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, Spartacus. I love uh, the Adagio from Spartacus. One of my favorite pieces of music. Check that out. Good stuff. Adam. Yeah, one of one of the good ones. Gary U.S. Bonds, yeah. singer, born 1939. Yeah, I know. Is he still around? Uh, yeah, he's still. Okay. still what did he? What's his? Uh... He had a hit or two. Yeah, he had a hit or two. He was all right. Uh, Freddy uh, Krueger, the actor. Oh, Robert England. Robert England. I met him. Forty-seven. Yeah. He's really a yeah, nice guy. Great guy I hear, and I hear he's, I mean, look, yeah, you play a role like that, you get typecast, of course, but he's yeah. embraced it. He can go to comic oh, yeah, cons for the rest of his right, life. He's cool with it, yeah. And he, he has no, yeah, he has no. Uh, that's wonderful. Yeah, he's. That's wonderful. Here's one I'm sure you don't like, 1955. He has no presumptions about being a great actor. Right. He knows what he's doing. 1955, Sandra Bernhard. Oh, I used to Although roll I, with her. You used to what? She used to, she used to work out in my gym. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's I, the I gal that was in. Uh, I did love her in Tall King, Redhead, King right? of Comedy. Right. Yeah. R- her and Robert she, De Niro. Hey, I thought her and De Niro played well off that each other. That gal works out hard, man. I'll tell you, she used to yeah. work out at the gym. She's yeah. a tall, thin thing. Oh yeah, very tall, very thin. Uh, great guitarist, nineteen sixty. Steve Vai. Um, never really got one of the huge hair metal bands, but as a solo artist, he was. This guy was good. Armand, yeah, this was a I real got musician. Somebody better. 1959, only two-time re- winner at Tbilisi Wrestling Tournament. Probably let me the guess. Let me in the guess. World. Let me guess. Dave Schultz. Dave Schultz. Got it. You you looked. No, I know Dave Schultz. All right. And I thought 1959. It sounds in the ballpark. Yeah, poor Dave. He's of course the uh, fo- well his brother is really the focus of you know Foxcatcher. Yes, uh, but Dave's the one. What that was got their tie with the Dupont family? Well, Dupont ran the place. I okay. mean, when you're a wrestler, you really and you're an amateur, you yes. really can't make any money doing anything. That they, you know. In fact, I had a buddy of mine that was a Foxcatcher, and he said, you know, he joined up one day. The next day, he got all this stuff in the mail: shoes, headgear, singlets, jackets, wow. you name it. All came in one day. I mean, this stuff is like get out here. And uh, although they played this down pretty much in the movie, it was pretty much common knowledge at, at Team Foxcatcher, the you know the compound out there in Pennsylvania. That you know you wrestle when you go out there, you wrestle with John Dupont. Yeah. Well, John's gonna feel you up a little bit. Oh, he's gonna. Yeah, he's gonna get. You're a little gonna friendly. take. You're gonna take one for the team, Quote, are you? Wrestling with John was. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that was like understood. You know, he he jump into the. Uh, you know, these guys are in the uh, hot tub or whatever, and he'll jump in naked. And, Oh boy! Yeah. So, but you know that was he was like their patron, and uh, you know that's just the way it goes. Although it was kind of implied in the movie, it really wasn't explicit. Which I'm glad they showed some restraint on that. But uh, anyway, Dave Schultz, yeah, he got shot. Uh, you know, tragically, I think it was '96. Did he get? Was '96? Was he in the? Uh, he might yeah, have been before that '95. I think it was right before the Olympics because his wife. Set up some people to go to the you know Nancy. for the Atlanta games. Yeah, I think it was before that. That, that would be ninety five because those games were in ninety six. Yeah, I think it was before the ninety six games uh, because these guys had nowhere to go. You know, once all that happened, and but uh, he's a great wrestler, man. I'll tell you, he was he only although he only won I think one national title. He beat Mike Sheets, who's really tough. 
on criteria. He was, I think he was an Olympian, too. Wow. From Oklahoma State, Mike Sheets. He is tough. But uh, I, I use a day. I, I use Dave's choke, man. I love that. He's, why, got, uh, he's got a great choke. Why does the sport? In fact, they had a, in the 1984 Olympics, yeah. they had a special referee for his matches. At the L.A. games? Yeah. Yeah. Because no they're afraid he's going to, you know, because somebody, I think, was it him or Mark? I think it was, I think it might have been one of the other, one of the brothers broke, I think it was Mark, broke some guy's arm, the Turk's arm, and they're going to DQ him and wow. kick him out of the whole tournament. But they reviewed it and say, well, you know. It, it just happens. It just, yeah. So anyway, but Dave had this choke. I mean, basically, I'll put it on you sometimes. It's a headlock. Oh, please do. He turned yes. it into a choke. Please do. Yeah, he, he was knocking guys out. Why don't you out. let me bring an intern to you, and you yeah, can try it on absolutely. the intern. All right. But he was not, I love it. All right. You got any more birthdays? Where that's uh, yeah, nothing see who passed to that. away. No, oh, he was played by Mark Ruffalo, who's a, oh yeah, yeah. He's a dumb liberal, but uh, no, he no. Did a Mark Ruffalo is a good actor. You got to admit, Ruffalo. I said he did a good job. He does a nice job, but he's a dumb. And he's from uh, Stop it. where I lived. He used to live Kenosha, Wisconsin. Oh, in Kenosha. Yep. Huh. But he's still a dumb liberal. Okay, Armand. <laughs> did Jeez. I mention he's a dumb liberal? I think you made your point <laughs> with a beard. Seventeen ninety nine. Did you did you know uh, Mark uh, Dave was in that movie? He oh, he got actually, a cameo? Yeah, he was actually doing when they're weighing in. He's the guy. He's the guy doing the weigh-ins. He's like the official doing the weigh-ins. Wow, he makes a Stan Lee type cameo. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. All right, who died on this fine date? You mentioned to start. Yeah, Patrick, Patrick Henry. Henry, one of my favorite. Found, in fact, there's no doubt he's I love a great guy. How do you like him? He's I a love states' him. rights guy. I like states' rights. What <laughs> What have I ever said to make you believe that I don't like states everything? Rights? Oh, BS again. More of you conservatives who just make assumption after assumption. If you aren't yeah. cons- because you got d- indoctrinated by that Reagan bullshit of if you trickle down economics, if you aren't with us, it. you're against us. No, nothing. You're good. not with us. Never, you're an idiot. Never should go against the party. All that crap. What party? The GOP party. That was uh, one of Reagan's rules. Nah, never nuts. should go. Never should go. First of all, against the party. The GOP. See, you you don't really know the history of the GOP. Uh-huh. The GOP was the party in the 19th century of high taxes, high tariffs, complete government control. Oh yeah. All this stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. Now the Democrats are that party. Yeah. Okay, the Dem- Grover Cleveland, one of my favorite. If I don't not know my why, favorite, I don't, one of my favorite. Why are we going back to the 19th century? I'm just talking about Reagan, who brought in the. Let's no never you, should you never speak Reagan? bad about the party. Yeah, and yeah, and it's seven percent growth, uh, economic growth, which we'll never see again, thanks to Obama. I'm just trying to tell you about Patrick Henry. I'm trying to love the guy. Yeah, first governor of Virginia. That's, That's probably an accolade in itself. I don't know. About oh, come that. on, it is taking it, into account who the governor is now. He's kind of besmirched the entire office. 1865, William Quantrill passes away. Well, another one of your favorites, huh? Mm, yeah. Gangster and. Uh, Quantrill's Raiders. Yeah. They, now, they, they probably got some books on that if you want oh, to read about those tons, clowns. Tons. Man, those guys were anarchists. Uh, here's one I just wanted to mention to you. Robert Sterling, the uh, inventor of the Sterling engine. Any idea there? Nope. I'll look it up. A lot of Scottish engineers. 1832, man. Jeremy Bentham. Bentham? The founder of utilitarianism. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah the, the, greatest, the greatest happiness principle. Uh, you know, he's... I didn't know he had this. There are 12 pains and 14 pleasures, apparently, according to Jeremy. Well, he mapped them out. I like, yeah, maxima and minima, pain and huh. maximize your pleasure, minimize your pain. Minimize your pain, sure. Uh, he was an economist, too, but he's a dumb shit. He went against uh, Dave Ricardo. Don't do that. Ricardo's much smarter than you in that. In that. And he was a buddy of uh, Adam Smith's, apparently. Adam was getting a little old, but they were friends. Do you know what they did with this guy's body? 
That's why I put him down here for his death. He wanted to be dissected and put in an auto icon. An auto icon? Yeah, so somewhere, I don't know where it is now, because everybody's playing jokes on the thing or whatever. Is that a university or something? He, they they uh, dissect him, yeah. and they fill him with hay, yeah. and close him up, I guess, and you know, sat him up in a wood, like a wood uh, cabinet with a plexiglass. You can look at him. I mean, he's sitting there. Huh. But then his face, whatever. They held so they put a wax head on him because apparently the uh, head didn't turn out too good. They had to but keep his hair on him is what you got to do. Well, they did. They put the whatever. They, they embalmed the guy or whatever. And uh, yeah, so he's somewhere around here. You that's, can look at his body. That's like the Lincoln story when they when, when Lincoln's tomb was robbed and, you know, they had to go and yeah, rebury and, and, and check on him. You know, the last person to see ever cast eyes upon Lincoln died not too long ago because he was a young kid. He was there with his father. You know, but you know when they when they cracked the tomb open, Abe was pretty much Abe. Mm. Not well, they stole Chaplin's body. They did too. that as yeah. well. Oh man! And this guy was a big, uh, you know, LGBT uh, supporter apparently, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, reform and uh, women's rights, animal rights. Yeah. So anyway, all right. Who else passed away? I've got Louis Chevrolet, nineteen forty-one. Yeah, don't buy it. Founder of Chevy, founder also of the Frontenac Motor Corporation. But you never heard of that. No, I haven't. Also, uh, Carl Jung, nineteen Jung, Jung, nineteen sixty-one. Yeah. Uh, friends, and then later rival of uh, Freud's mm-hmm. psychoanalysis. I got a big biography on him at home. If you you'd should like read to him, read you want to be a screenwriter. Yeah, because he's yeah. like the, yeah, these the psychology for screenwriters. I read the book. A lot of it's Jung because he has the archetypes. Ah, oh, got the guy it. Came up yes. with that. Okay. And extrovert, invert, yes. introvert. All the, these are all terms he came up with. That's fantastic. Collective okay. unconscious. That's him. Oh. And he okay, you know what? I'll go back and grab this because it's on my I know it's on my lower shelf. I'll go. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I think he's a little, I think he's a little bit more on the ball than Freud. Than Freud? Freud's in, into penis envy and Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Lots of salacious yeah, things with your feces right. and stuff. 1968 uh the day after he was shot, allegedly, yeah, we by talked about Sirhan, Sirhan, Robert F. Kennedy allegedly. would pass away. That's very lawyerly. No, it's, it's allegedly. Uh, 1976, uh, the founder of Getty Oil, J. Paul Getty, passes away. And I've got to say, there That's is no finer place in Los Angeles than that Getty Museum. Yep. Take the monorail my, up my, there. Uh, my wife and I love it every time we're out there. Almost every other time we're out there, we like to... We like to go there for the day and have lunch overlooking the basin and Santa Monica and and uh, huh? It's not cheap. It's fifteen dollars to park. It's free to yeah. get in. Yeah. So you take a car for. All right. Have a nice lunch at the big rotunda, Walker. I mean, it is if you've never been, folks. For fifteen dollars, you can have a hell of a day. See, I would think you'd hate this guy at the Getty. You know, big time capitalist. Yeah, but capitalist, you know, who gave an incredible amount back. Well, that's because he had a payphone in his house. That hell, well, that that's helps. true. That, that'll he help. You, you this guy's like a notorious. You get a lot of nickels and dimes favorite, over the years. Our favorite uh, story about this guy is they <laughs> snatched his grandson <laughs> right off. Yeah, I'll tell it again because everybody loves it. <laughs> snatched so his good. grandson. First of all, I'm not paying. It's phony. This kid wants money. Screw you. Kind of the plot to the big Lebowski in a way. <laughs> yeah, kind of. So they, yeah, they send him back little pieces at a time, little, a lock of hair, his hair and a lock of his ear. Took off his whole ear. Okay, well, I'm convinced. Yeah, they got him. I guess they wanted. They first they wanted 17 million. Then he then he got him down to 3.4, I think. And then of course only he's only gonna pay 2.2. It's three. I think he got him down to 3 million. I'm only paying 2.2 because that's all I can write off of my taxes. 
So the the other eight hundred grand he got from he uh, lent his son at four percent interest, which I think is very reasonable. And uh, anyway, they got the kid back. But you know, I, I didn't know he had another kid. Apparently, his fifth wife they had a kid, and the kid was really screwed up, and he needed treatment, and Jay Paul didn't want to pay for it. Oh boy! So uh, yeah, he had a brain tumor. The poor kid. Oh man! Yeah, he died young. That yeah, so. uh, couple. Uh, you know what the, you know what his famous uh, quote is: "The meek shall inherit the earth." But not the mineral rights. <laughs> so that's spoken like a true oil man. And I got to tell one you, more. The guy a lasting, has taste. A lasting relationship with a woman is uh-huh. only possible if you are a business failure. Mm-hmm. Well, it goes to show he had five yeah, wives. Yeah. So. That's 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 now, sage I, advice. He said he would turn in all his millions for you know one good woman. I think that's a lot of no, crap. That's a, that's a lie. Yeah, that's I got to, the guy had taste though. This, I, I like the. And I know museum, they say man. taste is the enemy of art, but my God, the museum's beautiful. The collection oh, yeah, in the museum job, yeah. is incredible. They had to put Bentham's body in there. Man. Uh, That'd be kind of cool. I mean, he's got irises there for God's sake. Yeah. You know, and I know you're not a Van Gogh guy, no, but when like you that. walk up to irises, yeah, you're like, oh my lord, that's stunning. All right, uh, Jack Haley passed away in 1979. Oh, yeah, uh, he was the Tin Man. Yep. Uh, Stan Getz. only because Buddy Epson. Uh, Buddy Epson, in Belleville, makeup, Illinois. Yeah, the makeup. Yeah, the makeup. Up, uh, yeah. He was allergic to the aluminum powder. Was I it think. Aluminum? Yeah, yeah. It was right. It was that stuff, that silver shit they put on his yeah, face. Silver. Now I think silver the, oxide. Uh, probably. Uh, now I think the Tin Man in the silent version was Oliver Hardy. Yeah, you've mentioned that before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, different kind of costume, but you, yeah, you can yeah, clearly see it's Tin Man. Uh, who else? Uh, 1991, uh, great saxophonist, Stan Getz. Don't know. Yeah, I like Stan Getz. I don't know how much you liked him. Uh, 2005, one of my favorites. I think she's the reason I trend older. I, I tend uh-huh. to like older beauties. Oh. And and God bless this man. Van Bancroft? Yes. For, well, make, for how Mel Brooks... Well, I don't think she was the original choice to be Mrs. Robinson. I know, but I don't care how Mel Brooks brought that down to be his wife. Well, I mean, that proves... He's a funny guy. That he's proves ugly as hell, but... Yeah. The best-looking women on earth love a funny guy. Boy, my sense they of had humor good, must they had, suck. They had a good marriage, too. Yeah. Uh, what's her, her real names? Uh, what are they? Let me see. Uh, I should know that. A Crosetti or something like that? Anna Maria Crosetti or something like that? Anna Maria Luisa Italiano. Italiano, of course. Italiano, yeah, because I had a trivia question. Born in the Bronx. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of course, she won for the Miracle Worker, which we discussed yes, the other day. Yes. Uh, that, that scene where they're throwing the pablum around. Great. One of our favorites. Uh, a couple others on who passed away. Esther Williams. Don't know if you're a great actress. Not great actress. Great swimmer. Yeah. Million Dollar Mermaid. There you go. And, she made uh, MGM a lot of money, but when she tried to act, when she, they said something about it. when she's wet, she's great. When she's dry, she's <laughs> shit. And a hell of a, a lawyer and a very good author. Uh, oh, Mr. Bug? Yeah, Vincent Bugliosi. The I author. think it's Bugliosi. I, I mean, like to say ma- Bugliosi. Yeah, yeah, you and the rest of the Manson clan. Remember that movie, Helter Skelter? Well, his work. Charles uh, going to get you, Mr. Bugliosi. 1974, Helter Skelter. Steve Railsback played... Uh, Charlie. So he was the prosecutor yeah. for the state of I read California. The book. Read the book. And I you was, read Helter yeah, Skelter? Read the book, Did you yeah. ever read uh, Reclaiming History? Oh, he wrote that about the O.J. thing, yes. didn't he? I'd, I'd like to. If you got it, I'll read it. The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder. I've never even heard what? of that one. Wow. Nick yeah. would love that one. Uh, and the Sea Will Tell. 
I, oh, I do I've heard remember. Of that one. I do remember. And the sea will tell. Yeah, I've heard that. Which was Boy, uh, quite which an was author. A, uh, this was a, a book about the uh, double murder on, well, Palmyra Atoll, uh, in the con in the trial conviction of Dwayne Buck Walker. Um, it's one of the, it. It, you know, but because Bug- well, apparently know, the sea will yield its dead. Yeah, because uh-huh. Bugliosi was Bugliosi, he, he turned you know rather you know rather mundane case. Uh, now outrage. I'm sorry, Armand. I got to correct you. Outrage. The five reasons why O.J. Simpson got away with murder is Bugliosi's book. Okay. On that. Well, what do we think? That came out in 1996. All right. What was the other one then? What were uh, we talking about? Reclaiming history. Uh, Reclaiming History came out in 2007. That is about the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Oh, I haven't read that one. Yeah, so Bugliosi has two great books that would make great show topics uh, for surreal talk. And Now, I know the Reclaiming History is a formidable book. Let me look this up for a second. Because you can get this at Amazon.com, but this one you might want to go to Audible for. Which one are you talking about? Uh, Reclaiming History, The Assassination of President John F. Kennedy. What's what's the thrust of that one? Uh, the thrust of that one is it analyzes the events uh, and the lives, focusing on the lives of Oswald and Ruby. Uh, it's drawn on, of course, the Warren Commission. Uh, and it's based on his preparation for the mock trial of Lee Harvey Oswald. That was staged for British television. Oh, all right. Because Norman Mailer took a stab at something yeah, like this I'm, too with Oswald's tale. Right. Uh, but this book, Armand, sixteen hundred plus pages. Jeez. Oh, yeah. So that's a commitment. Audible.com, perhaps for that. This day in played by history. George Dicenzo in uh, yeah. the nineteen seventy six version. I guess I guess they made another one too. Man. I think Helter. Yeah, I think there may be one there, or two Helter yeah, Skelters. Another one. But uh, he was University of Miami and then uh, UCLA Law, so you're a, you're an alum with yeah. uh, old Vincent. Uh, there. Brother Bruin, yeah, Brother Bruin. All right, Armand. Well, June six, hell of a day in history. Yeah, a lot of stuff beyond D-Day. So, what would you say the, the drive-in had the most impact? I had an uncle. All right, I'm sorry. Who I swore it that the drive that uh, not the drive-in, but the drive-through? At you know a fast food restaurant was just a fad, communist plot. Just a fad. Right. Never catch on. I'm sure he would have said the same about the drive in. I'm sure he says the same about I the internet. The, I miss the drive ins, honestly, because that's where I grew up. Uh, my parents would take me to drive ins. Although know, once can every I quote Paul Krugman once every couple weeks uh, during the summer, we'd sit in the big Chrysler uh, Newport. You know, all three of us in the front seat, all comfortable. That's my had, first porn we had, movie. We had plenty of room. Remember the Falcon. Remember that? No. Out in Cahokia? Yeah, they, no. had, they had porn movies oh, wait, the, drive-in. Wait, wait, the Falcon. Yeah, drive-in. Drive-in. Wait yeah. a second. They showed porn on a drive-in? Yeah. In Cahokia? Yeah. Oh, Triple features. That's like I got snuck in when I was 14. One of my buddies snuck me in, in his trunk. First time I ever saw a woman in, in that trunk. So let's see. Um, uh, oh, I just want to quote, quote uh, Paul Krugman. Yes, here, please. My favorite uh, economist. Okay. By 2000, that was back in 1996, I believe. Yes. By 2005 or so, it will become clear that the Internet's impact on the economy has been no greater than the fax machines. Oh, for God's sake. That's, uh, that's Paul Krugman. Yeah, what foresight. Mm-hmm. What yeah. foresight. Now, this is the liberal's favorite economist. Not mine. Boy. Oh, really? Yeah, and again, I think you're making an assumption. 
Yeah, I'm assuming he's a, a, a retarded idiot. Well, you can assume that. Don't assume he's a liberal's favorite economist. Oh, he is. Of course he is. Mr. Big Government Spending. Yeah. Yeah, he's, a, he's also the one told Trump, settle down. Nothing to worry about in London, you know. Just seven people killed. Don't get excited. And you're still going to pay me that for uh, Theresa May when she kicks the hell out of this. Yeah, that'll be, Corbin. that'll be coming up tomorrow. No, Thursday, right? Thursday, yeah. Thursday. All right, the okay. June 6th edition, it's in the books. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, remember, take all our recommendations, if you would, for uh, the books, the movies. They're all at uh, Amazon.com, Audible.com. For our writer, Corey Smith, and producers, Andrew Allen, Brian Crock. Thank you to them. Don't forget, subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or any major podcast outlet. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thisdayinhistorypodcast. When June 7th rolls around, we'll be here to tell you about it on lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.